I've got a handout here. Michelle, would you mind handing this out, please, ma'am? Just one copy to each person, please. Thank you. We've got more than enough. I want to talk about today, actually, um, the cross is central. This is a, uh, we're right here at a time where we do celebrate the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Jennifer, if you'll put up there, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, one verse. The cross is critical, it's essential. I pray this will uh, stir your hearts about our relationship with Jesus today and the cross. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Michelle and Kendra. Let's read this together if you like to stand or how, but let's, one verse, and this is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. For I resolve to know nothing with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's keeping the main thing the main thing because there is power in the blood of Jesus. There is power in His death burial and resurrection, and in the message of his death and resurrection, there was power in Jesus Christ and him crucified. The devil does not want us to know that power, because that power, when we proclaim the name of Jesus, we obviously unleash a power against him, the power of the Lord. And he doesn't want us to know and proclaim that Jesus Christ is uh, is crucified, buried, and resurrected at all because he doesn't want churches to gather in the name of Jesus, and that's why many people uh, obviously stay away, and that's why churches divide and all types of trouble and so forth. He doesn't want people whose faith rests upon the finished work of Jesus to be spoken of and proclaimed. He does not want that. So there is resistance. People stay at home, and, and you know, like today, they're proclaiming, oh, we're going to have a, a horrible day. Because, I mean, they've been saying we're just going to, it seems like to me we're going to have another kind of Noah's Ark type of situation here in Houston, you know, and all. And I'm like, I kept looking and I'm going, I see all these lightning strikes and all this stuff going on. And it's kind of like you think, man, I need to hunker down and get in here. You see, I, I don't believe in that. I believe in coming and gathering in Jesus' name. The Bible says where two or more are gathered in his name. There he is in our midst. So the Lord is here. It's more than two here today. If it was only one other person besides myself, I would still preach the gospel. It does not hinder me and my walk with the Lord. Why? It's because I'm not doing this for a big crowd. I'm doing this because Jesus Christ has called me to proclaim the good news. And there's power in the blood of Jesus. There's power when I proclaim the good news. There's power when you begin to walk by faith and believe the cross is essential in our walk with the Lord and knowing the fullness of that. It's so powerful as God gives us that power because we say, see, without the cross, there is no real Christianity. The cross is essential. So we want to look at it in a couple ways. First of all, the cross in God's plan of salvation. Now listen to this. Revelation chapter 13 verse 8 declares Jesus to be the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Say it again. Jesus to be the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Think about that a minute. Before the earth was ever formed before the sun and the moon ever shined, and before there was ever one blade of grass or one drop in the ocean. 
before God ever made the first man or breathed life into him, before obviously any of these things were in place, God, the Lamb of God, was slain. It was already done, and eternity passed. Now, didn't that blow you away? So when Adam sinned, it wasn't obviously a surprise to God. He knew that he was going to sin. So from eternity past, God had a, a, a plan in place. It, wasn't, he, he, it was not a reaction, obviously, to say, oh, I've got to come up with something so I can redeem man, so I can save man. No, he already had in his heart, if you think of it that way, he already knew and had a plan of redemption. Before the foundation of the world, the Lamb of God was slain. Now, what does that say in the fullness when you think about that? Before the, the foundations of the world, Jim Barcliffe was on his mind. Before the foundations of the world, Alice Johnson was on his mind. Before the foundation of the world, Phil Hetty was on the mind of God. Before the foundation of the world, he knew us, and he had a plan for us, and a plan that he would send his only begotten son into the world to die for our sins. He knew when you and I would be born. He knew that at the particular time in history that we would come out of our mother's womb and we would be alive in that. He knew from, you think about it, you can't even, you're talking about eons, years, millions and millions and millions and millions of years past. He knew when Jim Barcliffe would be born, and also for you. And so when he had this plan in place for Jesus, he had it all, all of it was done. And again, remember here, the redemption after Adam's sin, it was not an afterthought. It was God's plan before the ever, ever happened from way, 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 way back. Now, that blows me away. That just gives me even more hope in knowing how uh, obviously awesome God is, but also in how much he loves you and how much he loves me. He loves us, and the Bible says, with everlasting love. And, you know, we prayed this prayer, Father, you know, show me, let me feel your affections for me. Let, you, let, me, let the church feel your affection, because Jesus loves the church. This is his body. This is the bride of Christ, and he's preparing us. Isn't that great? And you think, well, I fumbled it so often. Has God given up on me? No, no, no. He hasn't given up on us. God is preparing us. And God said what he started, he'll finish. And we talked about that, certainly. All of creation is groaning. This process we're in until that fullness of that culmination there, the conclusion, as it may be said, but certainly it's just the beginning when we think about it, is God is working this out. You know, what that does for me is it gives me hope, gives me encouragement. When I'm down in the dumps, when I'm like, golly, is anything going on here? I'm reminded that my God is faithful. And even when I'm faithless, even when I'm fickle in my feelings, even when I wishy-washy about this and that, he had a plan in place, and he wants to fulfill that plan in my life and your life too. He wants to fulfill that plan in Lighthouse Fellowship, in the body of Christ, and we're part of that, how great that is. I want to tell you, that just really, obviously, is so encouraging to me. You see, 
So you know the story of Adam's disobedience and the consequence of that disobedience. And Adam not only brought himself into a state of sin and condemnation, but he passed that fallen condition down to you and me and all of his seed. We are all infected with sin. We all, we're doomed without Jesus. So he passed it down. But our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, God Almighty, uh, he had a plan from eternity past. You see, the bad news is, for every son of Adam, you and I are, is that you were born self-absorbed and bent on going your own way. We had an independent spirit from God. Now, I'll talk to some men, and you know, they'll go, God, you know, Jim, I'm, I've made it. My business is making a lot of money. I've been in, you know, like with hospice and some of the richest people in the city of Houston to some of the people who don't have much materially. But those sometimes will say, I'm a self-made man. I've done this and so forth. No, you haven't. God Almighty was there with you. And the sooner you recognize that, the more you can get in on his purposes for your life. Because our spirit, that old flesh, wants to be independent from God. And God created us to have a relationship with us. And in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, listen to this. We have turned everyone to his own way. That condition is uh, certainly of every human being without Jesus Christ. And here, the one common condition is that each and every person has turned and gone his own way. You know, for some person, you may think of it being, man, you know, for that person who, who has extorted money or maybe they've killed somebody or whatever, and all, well, man, boy, they're doomed. You know that. They definitely have gone their own way. But in some other lives, that another person, it might be gluttony and it may be gossip. It may be an evil thought you have. It may be an attitude that you have. It may not lead, like, be blatantly like murder or these types of things there. But every one of us have turned and gone our own way. And we've done our own thing independent of God here. And going our own way is rebellion against our created purpose and leaves us guilty before God, condemned already according to John 3.18. Every one of us, we have a created purpose and plan that God Almighty has for us. And we, many times, we go our own way. People say, I'm a self-made man. I don't need God. Religion, I've heard this all, is a crutch. That's what they say. It's a religion. Well, this is not a religion. This is a relationship. But it's a crutch. And they see it. Oh, you need God. I don't need God. I've heard many people say that. A lot of times, macho men, I don't need God until they are broken. And they realize they have no way out except to turn to God. Every person has turned and gone their own way. The good news is that Jesus Christ is the unblemished Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. There is forgiveness in His name. There is acceptance before God in His name and through Him. In Jesus, there is salvation available to whosoever will. Jesus never sinned in his acting, his words, or his motives, or his thoughts, or his attitudes. He was perfect. He only did what he saw the Father doing, and we should be doing the same thing. The perfect, unblemished Lamb of God. You know, in the Old Testament, there, the, that system that they had where you would bring animals and sacrifice them, all of that was a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do to take away the sins of the world. Doesn't that just, I mean, think about it. 
you know, we're, I was listening to music on the way here, and it was talking about the glory of God being seen in all things. And I began to look at the trees, and I began to look at different things, and I said, look how creation all comes together how great that is and so forth. Just look at how your body has been made and it's perfectly done. And you know, sometimes health issues, it comes in and, and certainly uh, affects that. But how God put us together, how we can walk, how we can run, how we can think, how we can move, all those things, God put us together perfectly and he didn't make a mistake with us either. And we sin came in, it blighted it, it infected it and caused it and brought death into the world. But Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Isn't it great? That is the good news today. You know, you think about it today in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Listen to this. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. In verse 17, for if by one man's offense, Adam's death reigned, the one much more, those who received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many were made righteous. By one man's disobedience, Adam brought sin and condemnation to all that followed him. One man's obedience, Jesus Christ, brought life and righteousness may, means righteousness before our Father. Justice, justification, just as if we have not sinned. God sees us like he sees Jesus. Hallelujah. He sees us. We stand before him because we have an advocate. His name is Jesus. Now, listen to this. So the basis of our sal salvation is not many individual acts of good works, although people say today, well, I, I haven't done quite as bad as the other fella. I've heard that over and over again in death situations of hospice over and over again. It's a good man, a good woman. Do they know Jesus? No, but they never did anything really bad, Jim. They never really did. But we know that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And the humanistic way of thinking about it is the way of works there. But listen to this. God's standard of righteousness is perfection. A human being could do many good things over a lifetime, but just one lustful thought, one angry word, one neglected duty brings it all below the standard. The best man has to offer still comes short of the glory of God. The best that you and I can do falls way short from perfection. I don't need to tell you that. We all know that in our hearts. There's no way that we can, can save ourselves. Listen to this. If I try to jump a ravine that is 30 feet deep, it doesn't really matter whether I come short by five feet or six inches. I still plunge to the bottom. It doesn't make any difference if I've done something and, and is horrendous that obviously the consequences in our society and culture may be great, murder and so forth, 
but it doesn't make any difference. One lustful thought, one angry word, one uh, impure motive in our hearts today. How many of you here today know all the motives that you have about life and the things that you're doing? Anybody here know perfectly about your motives? I don't. I believe maybe some of them are pure, but I'll tell you, I don't know. Only God can reveal that to, to me. And one impure motive, and you don't know those motives. One in bad attitude, you know, you go, I've got a good attitude today, but tomorrow I may have a bad attitude. One bad attitude, one impure motive, you plunge to the bottom. So we don't reach to perfection because we stand before a holy God one day and we will give an account. And the only way we will be able to go in those pearly gates of heaven is because we know Jesus Christ and our relationship with him. The devil has deceived society down through the many, many years and said, you know, um, this God wants you to, uh, to, get out, uh, to somehow miss out on the fun in life and all this other excuses. He knows us. Satan has observed us. He knows our weaknesses, and he'll pinpoint that weakness in your life and my life. But let me tell you today, one thing never changes. The cross of Jesus is essential. It is critical that we know it was absolutely necessary. And the blood that was shed for us was absolutely necessary. We do not measure up to the standard of righteousness, of perfection there without Jesus there. But he comes and gives us that perfection. He gives, gives us that, that righteousness there. He puts it in our life there. And we know that we sin, but we have that righteousness of Jesus today, and that's why we can stand before a holy God. Isn't that good news? You see, I'll tell you another thing. One thing is, is God does not want us to somehow go wishy-washy about whether or not we're saved or not. How many of you know that when you're wishy-washy about whether or not you're saved and you're not certain about your salvation, the enemy comes in and he wreaks havoc in your life, my life. He wants you, God wants you to know. And you say, but isn't that presumptuous, Jim? No, it's biblical. Isn't that somehow you're taking this and saying, well, I know, I know I'm saved. The question is, do you know you're saved? Are you walking in that? Am I perfect? No. Do I have the righteousness of Jesus imputed to me and pardoned? Yes, I do, because I'm a child of God. Well, I obviously get that point of saying, man, I'm getting a whole lot better here with sin and so forth. There's always something out there, and we need to obviously come before the Lord and surrender that to him. But at the same time, you know, sin doesn't get any better. I thought sin somehow would get better the older I got. It doesn't, does it? There's still temptations out there. Y'all, you guys tempted? Am I the only one here is tempted in life? You know, you guys walk in and out, you're just complete. I'm never tempted, Jim. You know, oh, yes, I am. And I have an advocate. His name is Jesus. And I want to tell you today, it's because of Jesus that I'm going to heaven. Nothing that Jim Barclay would do. I can preach and preach and preach. I can pray and pray and pray. I can read my Bible and read and read and read. And it'll never get me in heaven. But my relationship and my surrender, my Lord and Savior will usher me in those pearly gates. Amen? Jesus Christ, he's the only way to heaven. You know, all of this is for you. And the Bible says, Who shall ever, whosoever will. God wants us to know him. He wants us to know his love. 
He wants us to experience Him. He wants to, us to know His nearness. God wants us to have fellowship with Him. The veil has been torn from the top to the bottom when Jesus said it's finished, that we can go into the most holy place. You remember the prophetic word that I shared with you that a friend of mine really felt God was speaking when God spoke to him and God said, don't be afraid of coming to me. Be afraid of not coming to me because I am your only hope in this hour. I'm your only hope. Don't be afraid of coming. Whosoever will, whoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved from the, obviously what you think of as the raunchiest sinner. I mean, the, the worst sinner in this world. And, and when they call upon the name of the Lord, all of those sins are placed under the blood of Jesus and they'll be in heaven with me and you. You see, today our society is seeing things and mass shootings, they're killing the people and all this other stuff. And yet, God is saying, when we call upon Him, when we have a heart that truly believes and trusts, I need a Savior and I can't do this any longer. And we surrender. God comes in like a flood, and he cleanses us of our sin. Let me tell you, there, uh, Jesus wants us to have freedom. Jesus came to set the captive free. Many are still held captive by their past sins. Many of you may feel that, or some may feel that somehow that these things you've done in the past, that you're not forgiven of those. You've accepted Jesus, and somehow you feel like, well, it was just too bad. You don't know what I've done, Jim. God does. But Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Jesus paid it all. He took care of the greatest sin as we may see it, down to those thoughts or attitudes or motives that are impure, those things that we know that are not right in our lives. Jesus took it away. He doesn't want you to keep going through life and wondering whether or not you're saved or not. He wants you to walk in freedom. Christ has set us free by the blood of the Lamb. He had a plan. Whosoever will. You say, but don't I have to do something? You just say, Lord, <laughs> whosoever will, I will. You don't end in something I have, some works I got to do. Don't I have to get a little bit better? No, you can't make yourself better. When you surrender, you come just as I am, just as you are, and God changes your heart and life. But yet the cross is essential to that salvation. Without it, we would all be doomed and still be in our sin. You see, throughout the Old Testament, God is pointing people to the cross as a way of salvation. He gives them a means by which they can look forward in faith to Christ's death on the cross. Immediately after Adam's sin came the promise of the seed of the woman. Listen to this. In Genesis 3.15, the Messiah would crush the head of the serpent. When Christ died, he crushed the head of the serpent, the devil. And that's what exactly what happened at Calvary. Messiah was physically killed at the cross, but his death destroyed Satan's hold on humanity and death to him. A crushing, fatal blow as the death of the, and resurrection of Jesus. But Satan is like a serpent. Now, with his head cut off, what does a snake do? Y'all know I've killed many snakes in my life. After you've cut the head of the snake off, what happens still does that snake's body do? He still wiggles, doesn't he? Doesn't he still wiggle? You see, Satan's head has been crushed, but Satan's still wiggling. 
Satan has been destroyed, and he has, God's got plans for him when he cast him into the eternal lake of fire. But right now, he's still wiggling. His head has been crushed, and we have authority over the enemy. The only authority that Satan has over our lives is the authority that we give him voluntarily by sinning or by doing something that we know is not of God. Doing something like that, it gives him authority. He has no authority over you and me, and we need to rebuke him. If sickness comes, rebuke the sickness in Jesus' name. We need to take authority over him. If he's messing with our family, you need to pray over those kids. You need to pray over your family and take authority. Satan, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over you, and I cast you out. No longer will you come in to try to destroy my family, my, my society, my culture, my neighborhood, and my church. I take it, well, he doesn't. His head is cut off, it's crushed, but he's still wiggling. He's still causing trouble, right? He is. We let him come in sometime. You know, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it says, In him, Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In Ephesians chapter 2, But God, rich in his mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together and made us uh, sit together in the heavenly places in Christ that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace that you've been saved through faith and not that of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. The wages of sin is death there. We were dead in trespasses and sins. And you know, a dead man can't solve his problem, can they? We're dead in our sin. We need somebody to solve our problem for us. And that is that we need to be made alive again because we're spiritually dead. One day we'll be physically dead. But unless we accept Christ, we are spiritually dead. We were in a helpless situation lie in our own blood. But God in his mercy sent Jesus and made a way of salvation. The good news is that Jesus saves. The gift of righteousness is for whoever, whosoever will. The good news is that you don't have to earn favor with God. You already have favor with God. It's offered to you freely through Christ. If you've not received the gift of eternal salvation, the day today may be the day he's knocking at your heart's door. If you want to renew your stand with the Lord, today may be that you rededicate your life to the Lord and say, I'm coming back, Lord, and I see this. I see it now in my heart, and I believe today. I need you desperately. You see, the cross was necessary in God's plan of salvation because we were helpless to save ourselves. Only the blood of Jesus can be... Uh, can forgive our sins there, only the perfect Lamb of God, slain before the foundations of the world in eternity past can save us. The second thing, you see the cross is essential for the message of the church there. The good news is about what Jesus has done for us. The good news is more than just positive thinking. It's more than a two-car garage and a paid-off mortgage. The good news is more than friends and family. All those good things, they're great and so forth and all, but the real good news is the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ 
our Lord. It is Christ living in our hearts by faith, changing us from glory to glory, empowering us to live above sin, enabling us to commune with God and enjoy His company and favor, bringing meaning and purpose to our existence. And all of this comes by grace, not a thing that we can, can do about it. I mentioned here several weeks ago, and thank you for your prayers, and I have that procedure on Wednesday about my heart situation. I appreciate your prayers. But when I was taken there with my knee was hurting real bad and all and stuff, and I mentioned to y'all about this, and I'm totally at peace and all. And when I came out of the anesthesia, I was worshiping the Lord. I lifted my hands up. I was praising God. I was singing to him some song. One of the, may have been a hymn or a contemporary Christian song. I love them all. And raised my hand. I began to sing. I began to say to the nurse, you know Jesus. You know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. You know Jesus, your personal Lord and Savior. And the presence of the Lord was surrounding me. And then the anesthesiologist came in there, the doctor, and she looked at me and she said, well, we ran into a problem when you were under that your heart, you went into tachycardia, which your heart takes off. And uh, she said we had to administer a medication to, to slow it down, to stop it, and to break it, the pattern of your heart, which is it's fatal if it doesn't, if they can't get it under control, you can die. I was just in there for a knee surgery. But I knew Jesus. I know Jesus. And I know that if he takes me home during that, or if he takes me home in any procedure that you have, or if it's out here on the freeway, or if it's whatever happens, or something happens that doesn't make I know Jesus. And that redemptive power, the blood of Jesus Christ, I know him. And I know where I'm going. And it's going to be good. You see, that's the church's message here. And Paul said, I resolve to you know but one thing. And he said, that is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Sometimes the church gets off course. All the things that we do here at Lighthouse Fellowship, I'm teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, talking about the presence of the Lord, a move of revival, been praying for years, and all these things, the food pantry, and all of this is good. It is great. It's of the Lord. But the primary thing is the same with the Apostle Paul. I resolved to know nothing except for Jesus and him crucified. One thing. When you keep that in your life, I had an old uh, uh, preacher tell me, uh, and he was a teacher also when I went back to seminary, he told me one thing. He said, Jim, if you keep Jesus central and your messages before your congregations, he said, you'll never go wrong. I've never forgotten that, and that is true. The primary, he, Paul said, I resolved to know nothing but Jesus and him crucified buried and resurrected. That should be the one thing of the church. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Our message is Jesus Christ and him crucified, the finished work, the person of Christ there. One day we will see him. Remember, remember as you look there in the scriptures of after Jesus, uh, you know, arose from the grave and he came back. Remember the type of body that he had? <laughs> you guys want a new body? <laughs> Am I the only one who wants a new body? <laughs> I'll tell you what, this message of, of Christ is so powerful. I want a new body. One day I'm going to have it. You will too, as a believer in Jesus. Amen. And, and remember, Jesus could eat food and everything, but then he could put his hand through the door and he walked through the, the wall and everything. And plus, you know, he, he's got a, the Bible says the glorified body. Whenever the Bible talks about glorified, 
it's always good, okay? There ain't nothing negative about that. So if you want a glorified body, one day we'll get that. We'll be with him forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. We need to stay on task here. We can do a lot of good things, but we need to keep seeking the Lord, keep wanting to know him. Because I mentioned here, this is a seeking church. I'm so blessed to be a part of your lives. I love you guys. And, you know, we're all different in that. Our personalities, our wants, our makeup, all that sort of stuff. Well, yeah, that's not a surprise to God. And somehow he's put you and I together here at Lighthouse Fellowship. And how God does that. <laughs> and, and, you know, you, you're here and you want to grow in the Lord and you want to know about Jesus and you want to know that and all that. You realize that as we talk more and more about Jesus, it's not necessarily about religion, but it's about that relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet we know that God has a purpose in what he's doing here in our lives individually and also corporately. Just keep looking to Jesus. Keep putting him as a central part of your thought life here. Obviously, if us as leaders stay intentional about keeping Christ as the central uh, thing, that person to everything, I want to tell you, it's important to be reminded of that. And that's why at times we have the Lord's Supper. Now, that's one opportunity. We have it at various times. I believe in the Lord's Supper. I believe uh, water baptism is a way of testimony of, of how something's in your life has changed, and outwardly you're making a testimony. You're giving a testimony that this has taken place. And then we take the Lord's Supper when Jesus said there, this is my body that's been broken for you, and this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. He said, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, and do this when you think of these things. When you reminded them, we need to have that. We need to be reminded about what Jesus has done. There are different sacraments here as we talk about that, but there are other ways of keeping him in our forethought also is continue talking about him. You know, I don't ever want to stop talking about Jesus Christ. I told y'all some years ago, God was changing my heart. I didn't always walk with the Lord. I was in rebellion against the Lord. I was raised in the church, and you know my testimony. And I did some things I'm not proud of. And uh, my daddy didn't raise me like that. And if Daddy had always known some of the things I got into, he would have taken me out behind the woodshed, and he would have worked it out of me, okay? I said worked, right? I could have said another word, like whipped it out of me, okay? But let me tell you, Jesus came, and as God began to change my heart, because we had our daughter Allison, and I said, I want her to be in a church. Things started changing then. I got my focus back, you see. I knew Jesus was. But I didn't have a really a personal relationship with him. And one person told me one time, they said, do you believe God's going to forgive you for doing this? And I thought about it. I remember when that person said that. And I thought about it. And I said, yeah, but you know what? I didn't really know until I came in that relationship with Jesus Christ and, and I gave my heart to him fully. And so as that began to happen over a period of time and all, and, and then, of course, uh, the call for ministry came and, and all. I remember Cindy and I walked in a church. And God was working. And I remember on the backdrop was he's in these big letters, Jesus is Lord. And I remembered, man, we're right where God wants us to be because Jesus is Lord. And so today I want to ask you if you've not made Jesus Lord of your life or maybe somehow you slipped away or maybe somehow you feel like that 
you know, I really want to, I want to draw closer to the Lord. The Bible says, if any man come to me, in no wise will I cast him out. If you'll come, don't be afraid of coming to God Almighty. Be afraid of staying away from him. Draw close to him while he may be found, the Bible says. When you seek me with all of your heart, Jeremiah 29, he says, you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. You see, God doesn't want us to know him just sort of like, well, this is something I learned in church. He wants you to experience him, to know him, to love him, to love someone. That's that communion. That's that interaction. That's that, that the voice of God speaking to God and hearing from God, getting into the word of God. His love letter to us, really, it's 66 books. And so today may be that God is just speaking to your heart and saying, today is the day I just bow my heart and I just say, Lord, come in. I don't know what all this will take me, and I don't know where it will mean, where it will lead, but I, I want to know you. Today may be that day. You want to be filled with the Lord? Just ask him. He says, I won't cast you out. You know, God is a God of extravagance, not a God of wastefulness, but he's an extravagant God. The Bible says he lavished his love on us through Jesus Christ. That word lavished in the NIV has always taken on meaning for me. It's like he just, he just poured love all over you. Because you see what we talked about from eternity past, eternity past, before the foundation of the world, the Lamb of God was slain. He knew you. He knew me. So if you feel like you've drifted from that purpose that maybe God has for you today, today get it right and just say, Lord, I want to fulfill that until, until the day I go home, I will serve you with all my heart. I'll love you, and I'll glorify your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. The cross being essential, the cross critical. Without the cross, none of us could stand here. We'd be doing a Reader's Digest type of a message. But, Lord, the power that's in the blood of Jesus, we sang about it, we proclaim it. The power, the message of the cross, the power that's unleashed. I pray that power would be unleashed in this congregation and every member here today and, and those who are not here. Let your word go forth. Change us, O oh Lord, because it never returns void. It always goes forth and accomplishes exactly what you've desired. May Jesus be glorified. And during this time of the year, Father, we're asking by the power of your Spirit that many, many multitudes of people will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as they hear about the message of the cross, the message of Jesus. May you be forever and ever and ever glorified. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.